We've been speaking about the manifold grace of God for the last few months in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. We found out the word manifold means furiculous. It means a, a variety of ways, layers, degrees, colors, shades. It, it's, it's a variety of methods and ways that God will bring about his grace to our life. And the word grace is haris. Uh, haris, by definition, thank you, Jeremy, is a political term. Before it was a religious term, and it means the superior will render all things that is needed to the inferior. So when the Apostle Paul knew about this word haris, uh, he adopted it to the, to the Christian walk. And, and so we use the word grace, or, uh, but it, by definition, it means God our King supplies all that we need. And blessed is he that are poor in spirit. God will give you the kingdom. And so the more that we learn about the grace of God or the harris of God, the more that we appreciate him. Now, I'm, I told you a couple of weeks ago, I'm not really a preacher. I, I teach biblical principles. And in that, as a teacher, that I always want to make sure you get it. And if I don't think you're getting it, then we'll start all over and we'll go real slow. So, if, if, so do yourself a favor. Just act like you're getting it, okay? Because if I don't feel like you're getting it, we're going to start all over and we're going to do this again. So, so last week or two, we talked about Psalms 107, verse 23. God has taken us places. And we're going to get back on the track of the rest of the grace, but we, we took, a, we took a, a left turn. And last week we talked about they that go down in, into the sea in ships, they do business in great waters. We talked about that the deeper the waters is the larger the boat that's going to be required. So we began with workmanship in Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says, we are the workmanship of God that was created in Christ Jesus. And we told you that workmanship, by definition, is a word called poetus. And poetus has nothing to do with fabrication like workmanship. Poetus means where we get a Greek word for poetry. Poetry, or a poem, is the expression of someone's innermost desires and seed of emotions. So we, we accomplished a few weeks ago this mindset that we're just more than just people fulfilling a space here on earth. We are God's poetry. We are God's expression. When God wanted to talk about love and kindness and gentleness and goodness and, and all these things and justice, he created us. And so that's who we are. The second thing we talked about was fellowship. This is where we're going to stop. Fellowship. Workmanship was just you and God, you, like you and the inner tube. It's just you and Jesus, and, and it's just you and you and him alone. By the time you get to fellowship, we talked about last week, that koinonia, where we get a word for coin or currency or commonness or commune or having value. We, we talked about linking together with one another. And that's true. And I spent an hour and 10 minutes last Sunday, which I'm not going to do today. I'm talking about you need fellowship. You need it. Turn to somebody and say, I need you. Even as goofy as you are, I need you. I need to be connected with you. I need to have something in common with you. And then the last thing that I told you Sunday morning is if you give another something that they can't find anywhere else, they will keep returning. This is my lane right here, whether you like it or don't like it. But my job and responsibility is to teach biblical principles and help you to understand what's going on. And if that's what you're after, then fortunately you keep returning. So in that, we want to, we want to stay for a moment in this fellowship because I, I kind of felt guilty about sometimes we make the church all about the church and it's not. 
Sometimes we make the church about fellowship, about other people, and it's not. It's about Christ. I like fellowship. I like most of you. But, but I want you to know that, that if we just come because we like one another, we're here for the wrong reason. And if we come here just because we can play music or sing songs or have a good youth department, we're here for the wrong reason. You should be here to have some type of connection or fellowship with Christ in a way you never had before. And never get to the point where you feel like you got it all because the Bible said, take heed. When you think you're standing, you'll find yourself face down. So every day I wake up hungry for God. Every day I'm pursuing God. Every day I want to know, and I know a few scriptures and I know three poems and a few Bible verses, but I'll tell you, there's something within me that is driving me more and closer pursuing the God. Because I'll tell you, you cannot put an end to God's greatness. How deep, how deep is his love and how wide is his love for us, see, the Bible says. So, so this is where we're going to back up. You may come here for fellowship one with another, and that's fine. But, but you're, you're leaping over the very most important part of this piece. Because here's the deal. If you have fellowship one with another and that person hurts your feelings, then you'll quit coming here. Hello. If you come here because someone else and then that someone else hurts your feelings, you'll quit coming. Well, I don't go there no more. How come? Well, bus was crying during dedication, so I'm not going anymore. Well, you're here for the wrong reason. We were painting the bathroom and, and, and Brad said something. He's not here, but he said, well, there's a little spot in the corner. I said, listen, if the women are in the bathroom looking at the ceiling paint, they're here for the wrong reason. <laughs> if you're here to sit around and gawk at what we do and do not do, you're here for the wrong reason. My responsibility as the guy behind this podium, and we're going to get to the guys behind the podium, is to get you connected to Christ. And if I can get you connected to Christ, then it doesn't matter who's up there. That you'll keep returning because you know that there's truth in this place. So now then, Philippians 1, 19, we talked about two weeks ago. This is the verse. For I know this shall turn to my salvation through your prayers and the supply of Jesus Christ. This is a word called, we learn, epikorigos. And korigos means it's where we get a word for chorus or a ring. It means a choir. And we told you this, that Paul said, of all these things that are going on in my life, I know one thing, because of your prayer and the supply of the Holy Spirit or supply of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. Epichorigos means whatever the choir needs. We talked about this. It, it, it's whatever they needed. There was a, a donor that gave the choir whatever they needed. All right. So we went to long details about this. So whatever that we need, he supplies. Evidently, through this work, Korigos, evidently that, that the choir had lack. They ran out. So if you don't know this, you should have been here three weeks ago and you can find it online somewhere. But they took great pride in this choir, bigger than the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. And there was a guy that loved music more than anything and singing. So he said, whatever the choir needs, if they need robes, they need money, if they need shoes, sandals, if they need whatever they need, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it. So we talked about this. Whatever you need, Christ will take care of it. But evidently there's a lack. Because if there wasn't a lack, then there would be no need for epichorigos. Now I'm getting somewhere with this. A few years ago, several years ago, that... Uh, so by this definition, this word in Philippians 1.19, he's telling you that from time to time, you're going to run out. 
And when you run out, is, is God faithful? Yes, he'll supply through your prayers and, and, and he'll supply your needs, but you're going to run out. And so we understand that. Several years ago, we took, Gail and I took Mike Boyette to Bob Yannon's church, uh, Grace Fellowship. We went to hear him speak. Well, he didn't speak and I was disappointed. We sat in the parking lot and up drove in two Greyhound buses from Birmingham, Alabama. Is that right, Mike? And I thought, my goodness. And they started getting off the buses. And it looked like the Minnesota Vikings just showed up. There was over 100 choir members, and they all weighed 250 pounds. <laughs> Except the choir director, and he little bitty. But the rest of them, they were big. They were, and they kept, about 100 of them, they kept getting off that bus and getting off that bus and getting off the bus. And boy, I'll tell you, could they sing? They liked to absolutely tore the church apart. They could sing. But Bob Yandy made a statement to me. He said, how would you like to feed this bunch? <laughs> and this is what he told me. He said, we fed them for lunch, but we're going to have to feed them for supper. So at 100 choir members, it weighed over 200 pounds. <laughs> going to a local buffet at 10 or $15, you're looking at $1,500 a pop. That's without drinks. So the idea of that is that even though that you can fill up the more than conquerors choir for lunch for 1500 bucks, they've got to eat again in about five hours. And I'll tell you, after they sing for two or three hours and they preach for two or three hours and they dance all over that 5,000 seat congregation, I'll tell you what, they had an appetite worked up. You had to feed them again. That's us every day of our lives. We're full today. We're starving tomorrow. Yep. We're happy this morning. We're sad tomorrow. We're encouraged today, but tomorrow, don't even bother calling me and ask me how I'm doing. Life is just constant filling and emptying, filling and emptying. Today, I think I've got life by the horns. Tomorrow, I'm getting horned by life. Say but there is a better way of living. If you're sick and tired of being on this perpetual roller coaster of up and down and being good and bad and happy and sad and full and empty and on and on and on and on, I'll tell you right now that God is faithful to supply your needs. I, I'm with you on that, but I don't know about you, but I would rather have it as Hebrews says, there is a better way. Book of Hebrews says Jesus is better. He's better than the priests. He's better than the prophets. He's better than angels. He's better than the law. He is just better Period. Jesus is better than anything. It means greater in degree, better to our advantage. And I was raised up in a church that absolutely they, they hugged you on Sunday and then they kicked you on Monday. And I refuse to have this church this way. Oh, we used to have a lot of people in there, but unfortunately they just couldn't stay. And we'll talk about that in a nice way. Here's the better way. Philippians chapter four, verse 19. But my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. See the word supply? It's not the same word. Playruma is this word. Playru is the word. Playruma, it means the fullness of God. The other one, it means that God waits till you absolutely get empty of something and void in something. But the word playruma means the complete fullness of God. So what does that mean? 
Well, you've seen me do this, and I'm going to show you again. But the word playroom means to, be, to have ample enough, to be abundant, and to, and to complete a void. So you, some of you that are new here, you've never seen this, but I want to show you the word of playrooma. And, and playrooma is, is a great word. When he talks about the first one, supplying all of our need, this cup really represents you and I. And Christ comes in our life and he fills us. We're filled. And we got happy on Sunday and, we, and then we're, we're loving one another. And here comes Monday and we go to Walmart and you know what happens. And then we have family reunion on Tuesday. Coworkers, somebody's rooting for OSU when there's Texas A&M's playing. We got all these people here. You understand? And by the time Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you understand what happens. So what we do, we come back Sunday and you go, boy, I hope that preacher's got something good. So fill us up, Lord. This is what we do every Sunday morning. He better have something good because I'm empty. And so we go back to the same process. Playrooma is no longer God filling you up and you empty. Playrooma is that you're in Christ. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, it said, if any man be in Christ, he didn't say if Christ was in you, he said, if any man be in Christ. There's a difference between you containing Christ and Christ containing you. Now the problem is this, once you get in there, you can't see me for Christ. I disappear. As long as I'm, I'm not even going to reach in there. As long as I'm holding Christ, the visible shell is still the first thing you see. So as long as I'm holding Christ, oh, I might as well. As long as, as long as I'm holding Christ, if I am this glass, the first thing that you see is me before you see Christ. Yes. That's right. Are you with me? So you see my imperfections, you see my this and this and that and this and that. And you, even though the Christ is in me, when we begin, you see all the exterior things first. But when you get in Christ, I disappear. Play rumor. Now then, I want you to know I have no lack. I have no void. Because this is the word where we get the word for baptizo. There's a difference between being filled with the Spirit and being baptized in the Spirit. And I'm not talking about speaking in tongues running around in in the church building. Baptizo means completely sunk. It's an English word called all the air bubbles are gone. I'm in Christ. So why is that is so important? And I'm glad you asked because this, this removes this up and down and sad and happy and good and bad and all those days. It removes that. If you will get in Christ and let him completely submerge you into everything about him, you will have no lack in your life. Period. And I'm not telling you you're going to drive big cars and have fancy houses, but I will tell you, the apostle Paul said, in abundance, I was good. In poverty, I was good. In Rome, I was happy. Among the Jews, I was happy. I've learned to abound in this and I've learned to abound in that. It doesn't matter. Why can he say that? Because I've always been in Christ. And the second thing about that, I can't see you except when I see through God. 
It's amazing, isn't it? It's not a trick. So are you tired of coming in here and spilling out Monday through Thursday? I, I, I was for years. I was tired of it. And the problem was when I come Sunday, if nobody could fill me up, I was really a bear. Just couldn't nobody could stand me and live with me. Our first responsibility of fellowship is not with other believers. Our first responsibility is to be connected to, contained by, or have commonness with Christ. And we'll do that. That is the only way that we have currency in life. Now, I'm, I'm going to speak about preachers so you can relax. I'll get to you later. I have met through the years, and let's just listen to some individuals behind the podium, preachers, that I swore that somebody opened up the back door to the nut house and they walked straight out and walked up behind the pulpit. I'm speaking from clergy. Now, I want, I want to say this slowly to you because some of you are from Long Grove. I understand. My, my biggest stance was never against laity in the church. It was against clergy. Because we should hold clergy to a higher level of degree. And you may say, well, they're just, they're just people too. I understand that. I understand that. But somewhere, we, we have to have a standard of righteousness in the church, somewhere. So I hold the clergy responsible. And if the clergy won't line up to it, then they got to go. And so I've, I've seen people come in. I've heard them. I've, I've listened to them. Not, nobody in this church, we're knocked out of this church. But I've heard them through the years, not making light of, not making fun. But we're talking about being in Christ. We're talking about they've got it wrong. They're trying. If I could just get people to dress alike and wear uniforms alike, if I can get you all to drink coffee and, and yell boomers sooner than saying go pokes. If we can just do that. We'll have a great church. You'll have a gathering, but, but you're missing what this thing is all about. It's about fellowship with Christ. And here's the question. Do you have fellowship with Christ? And don't answer that. Are you connected to Christ? Oh, I know you're here. I'm not blind. And I, I've heard you. I, I know you know a couple verses. I'm not deaf. But are you connected? Are you in him? It's a sense of voidness still in your life, and it doesn't have to be. There's a better way. Well, if we can get a new piano player. Well, we might, so just deal with it. Well, we might. We can just cut the sermon down from one hour to 30 minutes. That's not going to happen. But I've met them. I've listened to them. They're not saved. They've never been saved. They got their degree and pedigree online. Get ordained while you wait. They got to sign Oklahoma City, one of them churches called Worship Naked. I didn't even want to ask. Mm. Don't go there. Hundred percent. I'm sure it's staying at home. I don't think they come to, in the building naked. I think they stayed at home and you can worship like you are at home. I want you to know I've stayed at home. I like being around y'all. There's something about when we can come together and find unity and commonness in one another. But make no mistake about it. This is not the same place when you're not here, but make no mistake about it. You'll always tell when people begin to, when people begin to turn sour, 
and clabber is when they lost their connection with Christ. I've had people come in here and, and work under me and work with me. And when they first started, boy, I mean, they were just good and good and good and good. And before long, they got educated and smart and they got sensual and, and, and they got caught up in the emotions. Before long, they stood up here and just blabbered a bunch of stuff. And what happens is they've lost their connection with Christ. Now then, they tried to build this church together on, on what we can do for one another. And, and the church is based on two things, evangelism and service. And we've got to have both. But this thing is about being connected in Christ. And if not, we're failing. I have failed to be a pastor to you. This is not called the get along church. This is called fellowship of Christ. And so being around some of these guys in, in the nicest, kindest way, I asked one one time, I said, where in the world did you go to Bible school? Well, I didn't. I just, I just started. And I want to say it showed. And of all the goofy doctrines that comes out of these people's mouth, it's crazy. I told Gail yesterday we was having breakfast and, and I said, I went to work for an oil field company called Jetco. And it was hard work. We was doing open hole logging up around Kingfisher hot, you know, we just constantly pulling tools in and out of the hole. And, and I got around a guy up there and, and, and tried to make friends with him a little bit. He had a uniform like me, never seen before he worked out in Oklahoma City. We got together and, and boy, we, my brother and I, we were just busting it and he was standing around, hands in his pocket and my brother was yelling, screaming at him a little bit and blah, blah, blah. And he didn't know which side of the wrench to get on or he didn't know if it was lefty, loosey, righty, tighty. He didn't know. And so I just said, I just said, I just got saved. And I said, hey, have you been working here long? He said, yeah, two years. Now, back then in the oil field, and this is true, if they told you to go get something, you better make an attempt to run. And if you didn't make an attempt to run in the late 70s and early 80s, they would tell you, you just keep going. We don't need you. And here I just got married and had, a, had some kids. And boy, I mean, I, we just busted. And I asked this kid, I said, two years. Do you, and he didn't even know which side of the wrench to get on. And I said, what's going on? He said, well, my uncle owns the business. What happens is sometimes when it comes to clergy, when you listen to people, you get the idea they don't have a clue what they're doing. So they're doing, they're doing everything they can to rally the outwardly part, but they're missing out on the inwardly part. I'm no good at building a church, pretty obvious. I'm no good at getting you all together. I'm no good at making everybody happy. We don't have a full service church. We don't have this program and that program. We don't have katadas. We don't have none of that stuff. And so, so by the standards of everybody else, they would say, well, the, you know, it's not a very good church. But I will tell you one thing when it comes to biblical principle, I am your man. I am that guy. I'll tell you right now. So now watch this. St. John chapter one, one through five. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was, was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Him, which is Jesus, was life, and the life was the life of men. Verse 14. And the light sh shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Show the message Bible to that last one, please, sir. And the word became flesh and blood and moved 
into the neighborhood and we saw the glory in our own eyes and that one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. So can we agree that Jesus is the word? Amen. Is this somebody's first time here? If it is, here's the deal. Jesus, say that with me, is the word. Y'all didn't say anything. You're going to go to hell. I'm going to tell you right now. Jesus is the word. Now, 1 John 5 and 7, what's this? For there are three that bears witnesses in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. There are three that bears witness in heaven. Now, it talks about three in earth. We'll talk about that next week. There are three that bears witness in heaven. The Father, the Word. He doesn't say Jesus. But you know, the word is who? Jesus. Not you. Jesus. Oh, they got it. And the Holy Spirit. I need you to understand it. Jesus. So now then, there are three that are, are in heavenly places concerning spiritual matters. Watch this. There's the Father. There's the, I use the word the Holy Ghost. Ghosts and spirits, the same word. It's an English word. And it's the word. Can we agree to that statement? Amen. There's three in heavenly places that are in agreement. There's the Father, there's the Holy Ghost, and then there's word. Now watch this. The Father is invisible. The Holy Spirit is invisible. The word is visible. Wake up and pay attention to me. You're living in the last days of false doctrine and seducing spirits in the churches. The Father is invisible. The Holy Spirit is invisible. But if I'm not mistaken, last time I looked, the scriptures are visible. And isn't it amazing that today in most of our churches that all these people will gravitate to the Holy Spirit that's invisible and to the Father that's invisible, but they'll shun away from the Bible. Why is that? And for anybody to say the, 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 the Holy Spirit told me this and the Holy Spirit told me that. And even though that, that I, I don't know much about scripture, but the Holy Spirit told me I'm, I two words or three words. I doubt it. Because the, because watch this, the Holy Spirit will never validate false teachings and a false doctrine. And these people that get on television are behind pulpits and they're making up stuff and they're making stuff up. The Bible is the visible form of the, of the triune of God, the Holy Spirit and Jesus. He is the word. We have the scriptures in front of us and it is amazing that most people in churches don't even know five scripture verses, but they say, oh, the spirit was so real. If you don't know the word, you don't know the spirit. Ooh. You may feel something. You may sense something. 
But if you don't, if you are not in the word, so here's the deal. If we are in Christ, then Christ is the word. And so if we're in Christ, we should be in the word. Well, I don't know much about scripture. Oh, but I know a lot about the spirit. No, you don't. Nope. You're, you're trying to sell that to the wrong guy. Nope, nope, nope. Because these people are gravitating towards an invisible father. Oh, Father God told me this. No, he didn't. Oh, Father God told me to leave the church and start my own. He probably did not. That's you. That's you. What do you do when you stay home? Oh, we sit around and play Uno and we pray before we have Uno and we pray before we... No, you don't. You're Now you're lying. Oh, God said I can stay on the creek bank every Sunday. No, he didn't. He told you to assemble yourselves together. You're telling the wrong guy. You ever had a principal in school that you just couldn't buff? Dvorak, where was you? Well, automatically when you say, well, he's lying. Well, see, you see what I'm telling you? When it's amazing to today, don't be swept up in the spirit. Do I believe in the spirit? You know I do. Am I filled with the spirit? You know I am. Do I speak in tongues? You know I do. Some of you don't know I do. I don't do it in church, but I do. I mean, do I have the gifts? Of the, you know I do. Do I know the Father? You know I do. But more importantly, do I know the Scripture? And you know I do. How is it that I know God and love God and how is it that I know the Holy Spirit and I love the Holy Spirit with great passion? And here's the answer, because I know the Word. And the more you know the Word, the more you know the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, finish it, you've seen the Father. It's impossible for you to play. It's not impossible, but churches are playing church and they got all the programs and cantatas and we got all this and we're doing our own thing and blah, blah, blah. And, and we know very, we know 2% of what the scripture says in content and context and content and context are king when it comes to biblical principles. Not only content, but you better get it in context. People know some content, but boy, it's out of context. And I'll say that, I don't go there. Ever, ever had, and, and not that he would do it, but we've all had children. You say, go clamp your room. I know the broadcast. His mother said, go clamp your room. And I'll, it looks spotless. Oh, she said, I'm so proud of you. And he didn't put nothing up. He just crammed it under the bed. And what, what'd she say? Now, don't go there. My job my job before I leave this planet is to get you to understand that the very thing, especially in these days, the churches are gravitating towards the spirit and an invisible father. And whenever you say something that they say, well, I, I had a vision last night about God coming down on a, on a Harley, which is not a bad vision. And, and God was handing out hundred dollar bills. And, 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 but on the other hand, you would say, well, the Bible says, and, and they would say, I, I don't know anything about that. So here where we're at this morning, the fellowship of Christ, in Christ. Not only do I want you to get in Christ, the word Christ is anointed one. 
And it's not just enough for me to get in Christ. I have to get in the word. And if I'll get into the word and be submerged by the word and allow him to give me understanding, I'll know the father and I'll know the spirit in a way I've never known before because they all are in agreement. The father, the son, and the spirit as one. You cannot be successful in your Christian life here without getting in Christ, the word. Period. Now I'm not asking you to become preachers. I'm not asking you to start a church. I'm not asking you to do anything like that. But I will tell you that our emphasis in this church is this. I want you to be good students of the word of God because there will people that will come to you and they will attach themselves to you. And the most dangerous thing right now in churches, it is not wolves. Paul said in Acts 20, 20, 21, it is not evening wolves on the outside. It's men rising up in the church among us. Wake up. Jesus said they're wolves in sheep's clothing. You don't have to worry about me. He didn't say they're wolves in pastor's clothing. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. You better worry about that person that's trying to lure you away from the congregation, from the pastor. Because I'm not that guy to tell you, well, everything will be all right. You go ahead and follow them off and hopefully we'll see you soon. They may be taking you down the dirt road and hitting you in the back of the head. The idea this morning, if we really want to know the Father, which we do, and if we really want to have a, a, an influence of knowing, is this the Spirit of God, which we do, then we have to know the Word. Not only that, we have to be in the Word. Would you agree to that? Coming to church, I think, and not having a good fellowship with Christ or the Word, which is the same. It's like going to the car dealership and they got this brand new shiny red Cadillac. And, you, and your eyes go, I want it. And you open up the car door and there's no steering wheel. The brake pedal's gone. The engine is missing. But don't worry about it. That we have a salesman. And the, and the first thing the salesman said, oh, yeah, but that stereo, it's a cherry bomb. Boy, you can hear from here to Wilson. And that makeup light, ooh, you can put that makeup light on. It's got that ambiance lighting and, and, and it'll take 25 years off your looks. Oh, really? Well, it's not that bad. And there's no guarantees or warranties on this vehicle. And if we're not careful because of the salesmanship, we say, we don't care if there's a warranty, a motor, a steering wheel or a brake pedal. We don't care. We want it without a warranty or a guarantee. And I'm here to tell you this morning, the Bible says that God honors his word above all things. He will guarantee his promises to you. here of late that when I started the Olivet Discourse a few months ago, I talked about 70 AD and 
I talked about the rapture of the church and I basically told you there's no rapture of the church. I told you what Thessalonians means about caught up together with Christ in the air, A-E-R, conquered ground. Caught up doesn't mean caught up. It means incorporated with like, I got caught up in gossip. You didn't get off the ground. I got caught up in a relationship at work. It don't mean you got off the ground. You mean I got involved in that. And that really, that really stumped a lot of some people in this church. And finally I went to him, I said, we, we talked about it in Acts 1. He said, it's not for you to know the times or seasons, none of your business. Why do you need to know? Why is that important to you? Why would you break fellowship from a wonderful biblical church just because that we talked about maybe the second, not the second coming, but the rapture won't come when you thought it would come. Why would you don't want to break off and go somewhere else and do something else? And it breaks my heart. But I'll tell you one thing, God will honor his word and give you all the guarantees you need. And this is the promise, Mike Phillips, even when we have to bury the ones we was married to for 30 something years, he said, I'll always be with you. And she will always be with me. I will not abandon you. I will not forsake you. I will be with you. So this morning, as I close, I'm here to tell you the fellowship that I'm talking about is not the fellowship. Can we get along? Because we're going to talk about that next week. And here's the deal. We can't get along. But the fellowship is a fellowship with Christ in him, in his word. And if I'll get in his word and I'll get fellowship with him, there's no lack or void in my life at all. You want to know the Father? You want to know the Son and the Holy Spirit? They're all together. You can find it in the visible context of the Word of God. And if you don't know the Word of God like you want to, you're in the right place because I'm here to help you. Amen. Father, this morning that we seem to navigate through this life through Evening shadows, maybe. We try to stumble through life on church doctrines that was taught to us when we was a child. And we really realized that some of those things had holes in the bottom of their pails. But there's one thing for sure that I've learned through the years. That you have never abandoned me. You have helped my hand at my wedding and during my funerals. When I first started this, this whole ministry, Father, I want to be honest with you. I just thought it was getting my best friends together, becoming buddies, and those buddies can have buddies. And But it wasn't long that I found out that would not last long. And then I understood the principle about to supply the Spirit. And I began to dive off into the Word of God and I've never come up for error. And you have filled every void in my life. Good days, bad days. Friends or foes, it doesn't matter. For everyone this morning that may be hurting, that may 
trouble, the great questions going on in their life, Father, it can be found in the visible form of your word. Psalms and Proverbs is my chip and dip. So I pray that you would just stop them and pull them over and they would quit chasing seducing spirits and fabrications of lies that absolutely would lead them down a wrong road. They would return to the word. The logos, the very spoken word of God himself in the form of Jesus Christ. And as we return to your word and get off into your word, that Father, that you will fill all of our voidness and you'll be with us and sustain us wherever we go. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, fellowship is what you need, but it's not just the fellowship of one another. It's the fellowship of the Word of God and of Christ. Find it. Hang on to it. Put it around your neck. Embrace it. It'll help you in the days to come. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. Stand to give the Lord a praise offering this morning. Would you want to know the Father? Would you really like to know the Holy Spirit? You can find him in the word. The three are one. So let's have some homework this week. What do you say? Yes. What do you say we have some homework this week and let's go read 1 John chapter 4 and chapter 5. That's all you got to do. Just read it slowly. Find any translation you want to. Father, I pray that the Word of God will get in them and they'll get in it and change their life forever. If our communion servers will please come this morning, we celebrate Holy Communion every week. You know this. He is the Word. We're incorporating the Word of God into our life on a regular basis. I can't do anything about the people that are not here. I can't change anything from people that are outside these walls, but I have the opportunity this morning to help you allow the Word of God to change you. That you would never be the same again. That you're gonna go home and change your family. You're gonna go home and change your community. You will change your world because the Word of God has changed your life. And Jesus is that one that keeps giving something that no one else can give you. And that's why we keep returning to him. That night 2,000 years ago that the Lord sat with his disciples and little did they realize that their friendship and their partnership and their fellowship was fixing to come apart at the seams. But this is a promise that he gave them you take the cup and you take the bread and you do it in remembrance of me. And it will somehow supernaturally, divinely connect our hearts together. That's what some of you need this morning. Your marriage is coming apart. Your family is coming apart. 
you're coming apart. The very people that told you you can trust them, you could not. And so here you are this morning. And the good news is, it's the fellowship with Christ and Christ alone. Father, bless this cup, bless this bread. In Jesus' name, amen.